Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for Proper 24 in Year C. Today we're discussing the next Sunday in the series, Lord, Increase Our Faith. Jesus, especially as we find him on his journey to the cross, speaks about faith with seriousness. Contrast that with the way we often speak of faith. In popular culture, you know, you got to have faith means something like you should keep wishing for the best. In this series, we'll be listening to Jesus speak about faith, about different aspects of faith, about different fruits of faith, and there's a gravity about the way Jesus speaks of these things. We want to listen, and we want to lead our listeners to turn to Jesus with the prayer, Lord, increase our faith. I'm your moderator, John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, and our preachers for this series, Pastor Steve Lang from Hope Lutheran Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and Pastor Kent Holtz from Beautiful Savior Lutheran Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. Well, today we're thinking about the readings for Proper 24. That's the Sunday that falls on or between October 16th and 22nd in Year C. The theme for this week in the series is Faith Demonstrated Through Persistent Prayer. Kent Holtz, let's go to you first. Get us started by sharing some thoughts on the theme of the week, if you would. Sure. Yeah, the, the lessons this week, or the, the three lessons, all point us to the, the blessings of, of prayer. And I think the, the persistence there is uh, an important theme that we're going to be looking at. Um, always a great topic for, for believers to talk about. Um, what a privilege it is to talk to our God in prayer. But maybe it's something that we can kind of easily take, you know, take for granted as well. Um, just the, just the thought of persistence made me think of, uh, the neighbor girl. I've got a neighbor girl who's trying to make the varsity basketball team. So what does she do? Um, she's out in, and it, the basketball hoop is mine. And so she's using it at the end of the driveway every day. You know, she's practicing her crossover dribble. She's doing her free throws. She's taking her jump shots. She's got these drills that she's prepared and she's persisting. Um, because she wants to, she wants to make the team, and I, it just makes me think. You know, looking at that theme, do I do I do that in prayer? Um, do I have that that same kind of attitude? And I think one of the introductory notes talked about um, our our prayer is is kind of work. I forget how we how we put it. Um, something uh, anyway. Uh, oh, struggle. That was the word. Struggle is part of our prayer life. And, and I think uh, maybe that's the part we, or at least I, I forget about a lot of times in, in prayer. Um, in probably wasting a lot of time too on, you know, worrying about things when, when uh, prayer is always there and available. And yeah, a great topic for us, I think, is, is another fruit of faith to talk about here, our prayer life and especially persisting in it. Right, right. Yeah, in our uh, material from congregational services, I find, yeah, this, this helpful line, when we struggle with God in prayer, it's not an indication that something is wrong, but that everything is right. Struggle is part of the very nature of prayer and at the heart of the blessings it brings in our lives of faith. So yeah, I'd echo that too, that, that struggle is part of the plan um, as we persist in prayer. Thanks for that, Kent. Uh, Steve Lang, let's go to you next. Could you give us uh, summaries of the scripture readings, especially 
the first reading in the gospel, since we'll be coming back to the second reading in our sermon text discussion. Uh, thoughts on the, the other readings for the day? Both of the other readings really pick up on both the idea of persistence and struggle in prayer. We start with our first reading from Genesis chapter 32. Jacob um, is preparing to meet his brother Esau. The last time he saw Esau, Esau was had made it very clear he wanted Jacob dead. And now Jacob is heading back after all those years with Uncle Laban in Haran. And he hears that Esau is on the way. And he really does not know what to expect, but probably expects that there's going to be some violence. I mean, he, he sends his family across the, the Jabbok River. He stays back. And he literally wrestles with God um, during the night. And the, the passage that always sticks with me from this account is uh, God saying, let me go. And then Jacob says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And, you know, as we struggle with God in prayer, and we're recording this in, what is it, October 2021. And, you know, we've been dealing with... Uh, you know, some of us have been dealing with COVID and all that stuff for the last 18 months. And we all know what a toll that took on not only ourselves, but our people and the struggle that they went through. And um, just the reality that, like you, like you pointed out earlier, struggle with God, that's not a bug, it's a feature. Um, it's part of the way things are. God does want us to struggle with him and he wants us to hold him to his promises and to say with Jacob, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Um, so you see the persistence there. You see the, the struggle. Um, really encouraging text for, for God's people as they struggle with God because God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we might expect him to or the way we might want him to, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want us to hold on to him. And then in the gospel, we have another example of uh, both persistence and struggle. We have a woman who uh, is owed justice, but a unjust judge does not want to give her that justice. And so she keeps after him and keeps after him and keeps after him until finally he says, all right, if you will, find, if you will just let, leave me alone, I will give you what you're looking for. And of course, our God is not the kind of God who is only going to give us what we want or what, we, what we're asking for if we bug him until he can't stand it anymore. Uh, that's not really the point. The point is he wants us to be persistent. And if an unjust judge who doesn't fear God or people can you know, eventually through the persistence of a widow be led to do what's right, certainly our God who is all good and all loving will be there to um, to bless us when we constantly and persistently go to him in prayer, just because we receive a no answer or not yet answer does not mean that the matter is done. God wants us to be persistent in that prayer. And he may be giving us that no or not yet answer for the sake of drawing us closer to him as, as he did in the case of the apostle Paul, when he asked multiple times that the Lord would take away his thorn in the flesh and the Lord said, no, I want you to have it. 
because that's going to remind you how much you need me. Yeah, thank you for bringing out those those twin ideas, um, seeing showing how they're reflected in the other readings, persistence and struggle, and the blessings that the Lord wants to give us through uh, the struggle. Um, yeah, I've I've heard it expressed, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much, but you know that the Lord answers prayers with uh, yes or here's something better, um, and the something better comes to across to us as no. But to him, it's, well, I'm going to give you something even better than this. And maybe yeah. it is years of struggle uh, that in it and causing us to persist in prayer, but also beautiful growth that comes through that painfully, but uh, to our blessing and to our benefit. So let's get into uh, our text then. First John 5, 13 through 15. Kent, uh, let's go back to you. Uh, could you... Um, just get us thinking about this text and share with us any insights you noted in your text study. Sure. Um, yeah, three verses. So that you start there, one of those nice short, short uh, text studies that maybe allows you to do a little bit more uh, digging uh, sometimes. So that's, that's kind of fun. But I, I think always the first, first thing is background, right? Okay, where are we in the book of First John? And we're in chapter five, and we're in the section called con concluding remarks. And so it's it's John's kind of um, final words. And so you, and then you start looking at First John again. And I needed to do this again, and you know, say, oh, okay, it's all the Gnostic stuff, right? Okay, well, wh what about these Gnostic guys, and what are they all about? And then you read about Serinthus again, and. So this guy who basically says that you had this man, Jesus, and then the divine Christ at, at Jesus' baptism, um, I, I don't think he would use the word possesses, but uh, however, he said, you know, the divine Christ um, came upon the, the man, Jesus, and then during Jesus' ministry, but left before uh, the passion, you know, before Jesus' suffering and death. And so you've kind of got the, this poor Jesus guy who's just, um, you know, he, he, he suffers and dies, but the divine Christ is, is gone. And, and that's interesting. And, and then the other Gnostic stuff, you know, the kind of the downplay or even the hatred of, of flesh and material stuff. And it's all about the spirit. And then you start reading through John again. And I think you can kind of feel where he's coming from, you know, and, and he's got these kind of bold um, statements and clarity, I, I think. Um, we, we struggle to outline John um, always, but he, he does seem to keep coming back to, to similar themes. And I think our text here is great. It's almost like bullet points of, of John saying, this is what you need to know, okay? This is what we know with certainty, with all this Gnostic kind of stuff, um, and that, that may be causing us all kinds of, of problems and doubts. This is what you need to know. And if you even back up one verse, and I know it wasn't part of our text, but um, verse 12, where John just kind of lays it all out, you know, very, very simply. If you have Jesus, whoever has the son has life. And if you do not have the son, you do not have life. Um, and so this is, this is Jesus, and he is the eternal son of God. And, and look what you have with him. Um, you've got life. And then, then he gets into it. Um, and, and so those wonderful, confident um, statements. The verse 14, I guess, is something that kind of resonated with me throughout um, the word 
um, confidence there we have in approaching God. The Greek word there is parezia, which is not real commonly used, I don't think. Um, we have a lot of different Greek words for things like confidence and courage and things like that. Um, so I did a little bit of a digging in um, and, and the idea of parezia, my understanding is that it's a uh, has a little bit of a feel of courage, even in intimidating circumstances. And so what is he talking about there in verse 14? This is the confidence we have in approaching God. And again, the, the Greek there is pros autan, which another, I don't remember who it was, but some commentators said pros is the face-to-face um, preposition. So, so you think about that, um, standing before God face to face with God. Right. And then John says, we can have confidence in that. I mean, what a terrifying thought otherwise, um, you know, just on our own to stand before God would be absolutely the worst thing in the world. Um, none of us would want that. And here John says, you know what, we can do that. And, and not only can we stand before God in, in fear and trembling or, or terror, but we can actually have confidence um, to stand before God. And why is that? Well, what he just said, um, because we have life with God, um, because we have life through the Son. And what that means, now getting into our, our prayer um, aspect of it, because we have confidence to stand face to face with God, um, of course, entirely because of what the son of God has done for us, but, but is to talk to him, um, to, to, to expect to, to be able to speak with him and for him to actually listen to us, which is just unbelievable too. So um, yeah, those are a couple of key thoughts, I guess, that just struck me as, as I went through it. Thank you very much for that, Kent. Uh, Steve, could you add to that, to whatever uh, thoughts you would like to highlight? Uh, this text almost, it, it kind of struck me as almost an, an eye in the middle of the storm because you had the struggle in the first lesson with Jacob wrestling with God. You have the struggle in the gospel of the widow trying to seek justice from this unjust judge. And here we are in the middle, we've got John saying, yeah, you talk to God, he's going to listen to you, he's going to, the, the struggle is like gone in this text. Uh, not that, not that John wouldn't say that there's going to be struggling with God, but the, the assurance, the certainty, you know, like Kent said, the, the confidence that we had, the thing that impressed me most as I was going through this text was John is, it's like almost every verb, there's a couple of exceptions in, in like a conditional or something like that, but almost every verb is in the present indicative. He is stating present realities. He's not saying this is something that may happen in the future. This isn't even something that will happen in the future. This is what you have right now. I want you to know right now that you have eternal life. I want you to know that when you ask God of these things, he hears you right now. And I mean, since we know that he hears us, you also have what you ask of him. Now, there, there's a 
you know, the, the very important prepositional phrase, according to his will there, um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into here, uh, but the, the certainty that, you know, Kent brought out the Gnosticism. There is all that uncertainty in the Gnosticism. Do you have the right knowledge? Do you have the secret knowledge? This, that, and the other thing. John says, no, we're not going to do any of that. This is what we know. You can know it. These are certainties. These are present realities. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Um, it, I, I mentioned this as we were discussing things before we started recording today, too. As I was working through the text, I, I felt this urge in me to try to build a hedge around what God was saying, almost as if that I have to guard against giving these promises to God's people, otherwise they'll abuse them. And it's like, no, these are God's promises. They're bare, they're simple, they're real, they're certain. God knows what he's talking about, and he wants his people to have this comfort and this encouragement. So, um, yeah, there's. it was very typical, John. Three verses, but oh my goodness, was it deep. Right. Yeah. I, I, like you said at Kent, you know, you don't have to wrestle with a ton of um, grammar or translation issues here when you're working with John. So you can maybe spend more time delving into the profound ideas that are there and the way John weaves them together. Um, yeah. Excellent thoughts, both of you. Um, so how would you approach preaching law and gospel from this text. It is so full of gospel. Um, I mean, we have some texts that are kind of the other end of the spectrum where uh, maybe uh, some we've encountered in our series even or readings. Um, here though, we've got so many gospel promises and you don't want to dampen those in any way, but you do want to present the contrast. Um, so how would you approach preaching the law from this text at, as it corresponds to the the tons of gospel promises that are here. Uh, Kent, any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, maybe just kind of asking what, what are the things that take away my confidence? You know, why would I, yeah, like Steve was talking about, God is just, you know, we're, we're almost afraid to boldly state as, as clearly as John is stating here. Um, that we have this privilege and we can stand before God, but yeah, what gets in the way of me um, actually doing this or, or thinking I can stand face to face with my God. And I, I think, um, yeah, maybe, you know, um, it's, it's guilt or it's, um, you know, that I'm, I'm not worthy to do it or whatever. And, and it's, it's this, I focus, right. You know, as soon as I start focusing on me, and my worthiness. Well, no, I, I don't deserve to stand before God, but let's, you know, let's, we got to take John and his promises here to, to heart that, uh, like, like Steve said, this is present reality. Um, these are God's promises. And I, I think probably prayer is one of the great sins of omission, probably too, right? Um, it's there when I need it, you know, maybe we can fall into thinking, um, or I'll, I'll bother God when I, I really get upset about something, or I feel like I really need something rather than this ongoing conversation or privilege that he allows us to have. Um, 
so I think those are, are a couple of things, I guess, that, that occurred to me as far as uh, law ideas. Great. Uh, Steve, any thoughts in that regard? And I, I've been thinking that pretty much the same thing as, as Kent, because, you know, what are the things that get in the way between us going to God in prayer, you know, our guilt and things like that. And, and the thing is, there is truth to that in that on our own, we do not deserve to be able to stand before God. You know, if I, I always think of Isaiah's call. He's there, the Lord appears to him, and his first reaction is, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. There, I have no reason, I do not deserve to be here. And so, you know, there is that, because of who we are by nature, we should not be able to have confidence. None of what John says here should be true of us by ourselves. But the beautiful thing getting over to the gospel is it is true because of Christ. And so, you know, you, you've got that there. I also thought about, and this I think might re, re, uh, relate to my feeling like I need to hedge against, put a hedge around these promises. I think there's also, not only is there a tendency for us as sinful people to neglect prayer, we also can abuse it. And, you know, that, that, that feeling that I had that I can't really put this bald promise of God in front of God's people without them abusing it. Well, okay, that probably comes from me feeling like, yeah, if there is a part of me that would like to say, okay, you know, God says I can ask for anything. All right. I'd like a million dollars. Thank you very much. Um, that's not what the Lord is promising here. But, you know, I think that not only can we neglect prayer, we also can abuse it and not really understand what God is saying here. Because, you know, really, how, how do we pray things in according with God, in accord with God's will. Well, the only way we can know God's will is if we are immersing ourselves in God's word where he reveals his will. And the more we immerse ourselves in God's word, the more we, more our will comes into conformity with his will and the more our requests then are put in conformity with his will. And then the more our prayers line up with those things he wants to give us anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, like you said, the, the, the text is so much full of gospel there, but there are definitely some law things there um, almost by implication as you think, as you deal with your own amazement over how can this be true? Because I know what, who I am by nature and none of this should be true, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. So a lack of confidence in prayer, um, neglecting prayer altogether, or seeing it as, um, I think, uh, Mark Jeske in the People's Bible, uh, this section, which is a nice section, he talks about other aspects of prayer there too, you know, treating God like a divine vending machine. Um, I punch in my choice and out, out it should come. And why, why is this dumb vending machine not working? You know, all these thoughts. But uh, yeah, I think, um, Steve, what you mentioned about uh, ask anything according to his will, um, or praying in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Son of God. Um, yeah, these brought to mind other things. John has written on the topic of prayer, words of Jesus. Um, I thought of John 15, the vine and the branches. 
um, verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Um, so, you know, we, we maybe go to the blank check part of the, the verse at the end. But what about Jesus' words remaining in us and that shaping our will and that shaping our prayer life? I think that's echoed here again in First uh, John 5. Steve? It's, it's kind of like the, the two extremes that we go to with prayer. On the one hand, you have the divine vending machine where you abuse it and think, well, God's just giving me whatever I want. The other one is the divine break glass and emergency thing yeah, yeah. where you only go there as a last resort and neither of those extremes are where God wants us to be. And certainly John's encouragement here would help us avoid both of those extremes and be in the middle where God wants us to be. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got these beautiful indicatives in response to these um, uh, aspects where in our sinful weakness, we, we don't view prayer rightly or the confidence we have. Um, uh I want you to know that you have eternal life. Uh, the, the right, the ekita, right? That's the present indicative in that in that verse. And um, and uh, yeah, the confidence that we have in prayer, just putting these beautiful truths out there um, as powerful gospel to address those sinful weaknesses. Um, what are you thinking uh, in terms of? Uh, um, structuring the sermon? How are you going to go about presenting these things? Um, have you given that some thought at this point in your study? Um, Steve, any ideas so far? The, the thing that really struck me, I, I think the whole thing has to do with certainty. And the word that really jumps out in this text that really, I don't know, conveys that certainty is the confidence. And so I was thinking, you know, you have confidence before God, which is an amazing statement in and of itself. But then you've got the three things that really fit nicely under that. You have confidence because you know that you have eternal life. You have confidence because you know that God hears your prayers and you have confidence because you know that God is going to answer your prayers. I mean, all of those are just stated very clearly by John in these three verses, and they all just really tie into that whole certainty. I mean, this the idea of certainty is certainly not new for John. I, I think of towards the end of his gospel where he says, you know, I could have written a whole ton of other stuff, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. I, I More than anything, I want you to know these realities. Uh, John is all about the certainty, even if he tends to, in our Western way of thinking, go around in circles a lot. He's... The reason he's going around in circles is he wants you to get these very key ideas and to know these things. And um, John doesn't have any, John doesn't want anybody to have any doubt. He wants them to have confidence. He wants them to know. And so that confidence in those three areas of what you have and what God has promised to do for you is really what I'm thinking of doing. Okay. Great. Great thoughts. Kent, uh, ideas for how to, present to these truths we've been talking about? Very, very, very similar to what Steve was talking about, the whole confidence thing too. And I guess, uh, think about how much money is spent on uh, sports and self-confidence and psychologists and all this, you know, so you've got uh, the, the kicker who, you know, 
nails a 55 yard field goal and he's full of confidence, right? And the next time he comes up, he misses a 25 yarder and suddenly his confidence is shot. I think this past weekend, there was actually a kicker in a football game that uh, the coach didn't put in because of his self-confidence, right? They thought they needed to give him a break. So yeah, confidence is a really tricky thing um, when it's, especially when it's built on self. There was also another article I read about um, something about like the, the athletes with the most self-confidence in sports and, you know, people were interviewed, who do you think is the most self-confident? And it was people like Michael Jordan, Peyton Manning, um, these extremely good athletes. So my, my question was, does it really have anything to do with their self-confidence or was it just, these are freaks of nature athletically, right? Um, so yeah, when we start talking our own confidence, that's a scary thing. But Christ confidence, like the, the, the John's talking about here, that has nothing to do with me or my performance or, I mean, that's just pure grace, right? Um, because if it was built on my confidence, there would be no reason to stand before God. There would be zero confidence. But again, because of those awesome promises that God says, you know, you have this. Um, it's yours um, through Christ. And now here's this, this gracious invitation to, to uh, listen to him. And I, I guess also even to think that God allows us to have his ear. Isn't that amazing? Um, we've got a preschool here at our, our church and, you know, we've got 18 kids in one class and 16 in another. And for some reason they think I'm cool mostly because they don't know any better. You know, and pastors kind of this novelty and I show up once in a while and they're all yelling stuff at the same time. And I, what do I hear? Absolutely nothing. Right. Um, with just a bunch of noise and the God of the universe comes to us and says, I want to hear what you have to tell me. And, and not only that, but I, I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to answer it um, in the way that is, is best for you. So that, that's just, yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? Just God's grace that, that he, he gives us that. Um, and that's, that's confidence because of God's gracious promises. Great. Well, I'm hearing, yeah, maybe some theme ideas emerge or you're, you guys are tipping your hands a little bit. The ideas of confidence that are coming out so strongly as kind of the key thought in the text. Uh, John laying out these gospel truths for, uh, for his hearers so that they can have this confidence and live in it and express it through prayer uh, and just in their overall attitude toward God and, and toward their lives. Um, any theme ideas that uh, you're thinking about at this stage um, or I, too, too soon? To I kind of just settled on you have confidence before God and then just lay out three things that you can be confident of. You have eternal life. God hears your prayers. God answers your prayers. I mean, you know, these are things that you know. And you can be confident of them. And like Kent said, um, this confidence obviously cannot come from us because if it were up to us, there's no way we could stand before God. We'd be like Isaiah quivering in our boots, waiting to die. But because of what Christ has done for us, we do have this confidence, which is an absolutely amazing thing. And what a comforting thing it is for us when we do struggle with God in prayer to know that he is listening. And he's not just doing it because he's, 
he wants us to to get on with it and and move on like the unjust judge um he's he's there because he loves us and he wants to hear us and he's willing to give us what we ask when it's according to his will uh which is an absolutely mind-blowing thing yeah fantastic so confidence and then highlighting those three big blessings that each of the verses highlights. Uh, Kent, any theme ideas you're working with at this point? Again, it's very similar to Steve. I think mine was approach God with confidence. And uh, first part was um, eternal life is yours. Um, yeah. God's promise. And then secondly, his ear is yours. Yeah. Um, just that, that prayer, verse 15 part of it. So yeah, or maybe even approach God with confidence is is even um, you know in a way almost less amazing than what what John's like. You have this confidence, right? Some, I mean, yeah, we can stand before Him with confidence. Just that that idea. I almost think of the like a stare down, you know, like before a big fight. What do they do? You know, you've got people face to face. And what do they do? You know, they're trying to intimidate and scare each other. And, and uh, sometimes they even have like a fake fight before the fight, just to get people to interest, you know, can you imagine staring God down? Um, how, how crazy that would be. And uh, yeah, I mean, how, how terrified we would be. And then God says, yeah, here I am. And uh, here's your spot before me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Steve just occurred to me job tried that and at first i was thinking well it didn't go very well for him but then at the same time the way in which god reacted to job yeah job god had to say okay job you're you you really don't know what you're talking about here but it wasn't in a harsh way you know god god could have just squished job but he didn't he took his struggling child and heard him and answered him in a kind, gracious way. And in the end, blessed him more than he could have ever believed. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. So yeah. Imagining having a stare down with God. The strange thing is we can do that. And like Jacob, God's going to let us win yeah, because he loves us. Yeah, I was thinking he stared down a wrestling match as we think about in that That's first, right. the first reading. I will not let you go until you bless me. And God's cool with that, you know, with that kind of confidence. Um, uh, and he does bless Jacob and he blesses us too. Uh, all right, any any final thoughts or wrap-up thoughts or any illustrations uh, you are thinking of? I think you've given us some great ideas already, but anything to add to that? Deep insights? uh or not so deep insights whatever you got but i think it, yeah. it's just a it's just an excellent set of readings um and i think the lectionary is planned this way right um to have prayer highlighted um in each of the years yeah multiple times probably but this is one of those sundays where you can check out the the, the prayer hymns and the new hymnal that bring out some of these truths and um, some old favorites or some new ones um, and check those out and get those uh, 
into people's ears too, um, to kind of reinforce these beautiful gospel truths here. Well, uh, Steve Kent, thank you very much for helping preachers out as they work through 1 John 5, 13 to 15. God bless you all as you work on your sermons and proclaim these beautiful gospel truths to your people.